0: It's time to play like a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet, what does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson, he's got it! They're not going to catch him, he's going to go the distance, touchdown! Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson, 92 yards! Anderson and picked up Anderson. he'll take it in, it's a pick six, and a touchdown! Fell into the middle of that line...
1: From the TOJ Digital Studios, coming to you courtesy of CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network, which has 24-7 live coverage of sports and costs you absolutely nothing, 100% free at all times, loaded with the things that I always look for in sports coverage, highlights, breaking news, fantasy advice, gambling picks, although I don't know that they're going to be as good as my brother Craig's, but still useful, and quality analysis. All those things are first rate on the CBS Sports HQ, and they're not something that you get very often from a lot of these big-time sports personalities, (laughs) Skip Bayless. And the best part is, not only is it completely free, 24-7, it doesn't even require a subscription or a login. You just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, and any other connected device at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans, just like you get here on Play Like a Jet, at the great price of absolutely nothing. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. It's time for Midweek with Manish, Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. What's going on, Manish? How are you?
2: I'm doing all right. You know, it's... It's been a weird week, to say the least. Uh, you know, with the Jets, I don't have to tell fans that they already know.
1: That's for sure. Let's start with the biggest news: Leonard Williams on his way across the hall to the New York Giants. So, at least from his perspective, for now, he doesn't have to go anywhere. He gets to stay right where he is. He just switches teams to the other team that plays at MetLife Stadium. How did this trade come about?
2: Well, the Jets have been actively shopping Leonard for a while now, and. Uh, uh, you know, they, they had cursory contract extension talks in the off season, nothing, uh, nothing that really became, you know, quote unquote serious. And, and look, if you, if you look at the makeup of this roster along that defensive line, uh, paying a premium for a player that you know they weren't fully sold on, didn't make much sense, uh, especially when you consider that Joe Douglas didn't draft Leonard Williams. He was obviously Mike McKagan's first uh, draft pick ever, uh, Back in uh, back in 15, so uh, you know the idea of bringing in Quentin Williams, having some younger guys who've been playing well, Henry Anderson obviously signed an extension in the off season as well, you know, made uh, Leonard Williams uh, expendable at the right price, and they weren't going to give him away for free because they would get some compensatory value for him in 2021 if he walked as a free agent after the season. So uh, the fact that Joe Douglas got a 2020 third round pick plus a conditional fifth round pick which technically could become a fourth round pick if the giants sign Leonard Williams to an extension before free agency hits uh, I, I you know i think that it, it would be bad business frankly if i were the giants not to you know have a deal in place long term for Leonard before free agency but then actually sign the deal when free agency begins that would save them around in the 2021 pick uh, you know we'll see how that unfolds but if somehow joe douglas could actually get a three and a four for leonard williams that makes the deal that much sweeter uh but the jets were in a good position did a strategically smart thing by absorbing four million dollars of leonard williams uh, remaining salary this year that made it uh you know a better a better deal for the giants as well you know i, I think that uh, this is a smart move by the Jets given, you know, where they are this season and where they are in terms of depth along the offensive line. I'm not sure I quite understand why the why the Giants did the deal because if they wanted Leonard Williams, uh, they probably could have gotten a crack at him when free agency hit and they're not a team that's going anywhere this year at two and six, so I'm a little curious as to why they gave up the draft capital, but you know that's not the Jets' problem. That's not Joe Douglas' problem. I thought he made a good move, and uh, you know it's a step in the in the direction of kind of remaking this roster in you know, what he wants to do as the general manager.
1: I'd been saying for a while that I was expecting a third and a fourth, and I hit it almost on the nose because this is a third and a fifth that could become a third and a fourth if the Giants sign Leonard Williams. Before free agency hits And I think there's a decent chance that happens Because Manish, as you said This is a weird move for a non-contending team You have to think that their thought process here Was they had an opportunity to add A 24-year-old defensive player Who, despite the fact that he hasn't quite lived up To the expectations that everybody had of him Coming out of USC Has been a good to very good player He hasn't had those eye-popping numbers As far as sacks But he has made a difference in a lot of other ways As far as QB hits, knockdowns, hurries And such And he's been a really good run defender I think that a lot of people underrate what Leonard Williams has done again hasn't been that great transcendent player that you expect but I think he has played more like a mid to late first round pick a good to very good player but not great so you would think that the Giants would want to get this wrapped up because again 24 years old and this is a guy that they could keep as a piece for this rebuilding team as they go forward with young Daniel Jones at quarterback Manish what do you know about why the Giants got into this, what other teams were interested in Leonard Williams that you're aware of, and also, is there a way that the Giants could do a wink-wink, nod-nod type of deal with Leonard Williams? A lot of people were asking about this, where they could have a tentative deal in place, wait until after free agency starts, and then sign him so that they only have to give up a fifth instead of a fourth?
2: Yeah, let me answer the last part first. Uh, There's a trust between teams and agents during that uh, uh, negotiating window, if you remember, you know, when free agency begins, or I guess technically before free agency and other teams can begin, there's this haggling period uh, among teams. And uh, it, it's just bad business to kind of renege on uh, a verbal offer. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't always happen that way. Because if you remember, that happened with Frank Gore recently. So uh, a player you know, can back out of a, a handshake agreement. I don't think there's any agreement right now uh, in, in October, uh, that that's too early. I think like the real negotiations and the hard numbers and guaranteed money and stuff will be discussed, uh, much later, uh, either toward the end of the season or after the season, because the Giants do want to see what they get out of Leonard Williams. You obviously want to see how he fits in in this four, three defense. And, and, uh, you know, they're very encouraged obviously that he's going to fit in fine and be an integral piece to their puzzle for many years to come. Otherwise they would not have given up that draft capital. But I think when it, you know, comes down to negotiating time uh, months down the road, uh, you're going to see something very similar to what you just outlined, which is you come to com- some kind of verbal agreement, you know, you wait a day or two, whatever that time period may be, and then you sign on the dotted line after free agency begins so that the, the, the Giants can only give up that fifth round pick in 2021 versus the, the, the fourth rounder in 2021. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just smart business. Uh, you don't have to be a football guy to understand that. So I would anticipate that would happen. You know, Perhaps it doesn't go that way and they lock him up earlier. That would be a little odd uh, if they don't value the fourth versus fifth round uh, distinction in 2021. Uh, either way, even if it is a fifth round pick, it's a good deal for the Jets. Uh, uh, again, just given the landscape uh, you know, around this franchise, I agree with you 100% that Leonard Williams is a quality football player. He's not an elite player. Uh, that's not to say he can't become elite, because look, he's only 25 years old. This is a very young player coming out of USC. He's got a lot of skills. He never turned into that sack specialist that people expect from a defensive end, a defensive lineman on the edge, when, uh, when you're taken with a sixth pick. I understand that, but if you look at the player in a vacuum, he's a player that can help you. He's very good against the run. He does affect the passer. He doesn't get home nearly as much as Jet fans and Jet coaches would have wanted. 17 sacks in 71 games clearly is a low figure, but he does impact the opponent's passing game. All you have to do is talk to opponents opposing offensive coordinators to understand that. Uh, I just think, you know, the idea that he is a bust, the notion mm. that uh, he's some sort of underachiever because of some expectation that a fan might have had, uh, I don't think that's fair. Uh, and, and again, I don't want to be a Leonard Williams apologist because I know what he is and I know what he isn't. Uh, he is an important piece or can be a very important piece to your defensive puzzle, and he has real value as evidenced by the three and the five that uh, he went for. He has real value. I thought uh, the way you described it is is probably pretty accurate. He played like a mid to late first round pick. And if you, if he was taken with the 25th pick in the draft uh, and his career had played out like it has to this point, I think, uh, I think fans would be, would be pretty happy. But again, when you take him with a top 10 pick, the expectations among the fan base are so high. And if you don't become a perennial pro bowler, it's a disappointment. So perhaps characterizing him as a player who was dis- disappointing to you as a fan uh, is understandable, but, uh, you know, I wholeheartedly disagree with the notion that he was a bust because he clearly uh, was not a bust. He made the Pro Bowl in one of his first four seasons. So uh, good player. I think uh, he's going to become a better player because it is weird to think that he's, you know, he's only 25. He's got a lot of quality, uh, you know, years left in his body if he can stay healthy. So, uh, you know, just, the. Uh, from a personnel standpoint, that the giant defense, uh, in my estimation, got clearly better.
1: I agree, Manish. I think if Leonard Williams had been picked where Darren Lee was picked at number twenty, then this is a different conversation. But obviously, fans are expecting an elite player when he gets picked at number six overall, and with good reason. That is what you're supposed to be getting when you get a guy at number six overall. In fairness, if you go back in that draft, it was a really weak top of the draft, and so. Even knowing what you know about Leonard Williams, it was still the best pick you could possibly make in that draft at that spot. He never turned into that elite player, but the Jets do have an elite player on their defense. It's C.J. Mosley. Unfortunately, though, I'm not sure if they're going to see him the rest of the year. We've got news on his injury, Manish.
2: Yeah, he's out, uh, according to Adam Gase, for at least another five to six weeks. If you uh, take that six-week timetable, that means... He technically could be back for the Week 15 game, which is on a short week, by the way, on a Thursday night, at Baltimore. You're looking at three games left in the regular season at Baltimore, hosting the Steelers, and then at Buffalo. Uh, the Jets would really have to go on a massive run here to be in the playoff conversation for them to even entertain, entertain bringing him back. I think the smart course of action and the likely course of action will be that they'll put him on ice and they'll, you know, they'll see how the rehab goes for over this you know, next five, six-week period gauge where they are as a team uh, in terms of uh, the standings, and then ultimately put them on injured reserve at some point in December. That, that's why I would anticipate happening. Now, if they go on a, on a run and and win, uh, I don't know, five, six games in a row, which, you know, as weird as it sounds, isn't impossible when you look at the fact that they've got Miami twice, the Giants, the Redskins, the Raiders, the Bengals, all really bad teams. However, the Jets are a bad team. So, you know, the the, the idea of them running the table before that Ravens game on December 12th is, is highly unlikely, and I just think that, you know, if even if they are, you know, a game under 500 somehow, rally to get to that point, they're not really in the playoff conversation. As soon as you hit that seven-loss figure, you're pretty much done. You're, you know, 9-7 and seven in all likelihood is not going to get you in. They've already got um, six losses, so they'd have to lose only once over the next five, six weeks for them to seriously entertain even bringing Mosley back, if he's healthy. I mean, I'm, all, I'm working under the assumption that he's going to be healthy in five or six weeks. They're not going to go... Uh, take the surgery route right now because uh, cj mosley did visit a specialist that he trusts and that specialist suggested uh, an alternative to surgery uh to me that just means look they're taking a conservative approach here nobody wants to voluntarily undergo surgery uh, even though the jets might disagree with that when it comes to uh, the assembly but that's a different conversation but uh i would fully anticipate, uh, you know, if you're betting man that C.J. Mosley's done for the year, which is unfortunate because it's not really anything of his doing. It's not like he's underachieving because he's just, uh, you know, not a good player. I mean, this is a, a perennial Pro Bowl player who got a, a really odd injury, and it's, it's, it's ruined his season. It's ruined, the, you know, the, the Jets' uh, at least first-year investment in him, uh, $19 million in cash in 2019. Uh, you know, it's kind of going to waste here.
1: We've got news on some other injuries too, right?
2: Yeah, it looks like Chris Herndon's going to try to practice, and uh, that would be encouraging to bring him back. If if he comes back, that makes their uh, that makes their skill position group uh, whole, and we'll see what happens with Robbie Anderson. But uh, he would be uh, Herndon would be a welcomed addition. Uh, Henry Anderson, who had a shot to play last week but uh, didn't go with that sprained AC joint, looks like he's going to have a better chance of uh, coming back. <laughs> uh, I know that Kelvin Beachum. Case uh, mentioned he's going to try to practice this week he's missed a couple weeks with a, an ankle injury which is probably a high ankle sprain and they certainly need him if you looked at uh, the way that uh, this offensive line performed uh, the other day in Jacksonville Chuma and Doga really struggled on the left side so if you bring Beecham back you would slide uh, theoretically slide uh, and Doga back to right tackle where he was uh, when he replaced the ineffective Brandon Shell on that side and perhaps that makes the line A little bit better. Ryan Khalil is out week to week. He's uh, dealing with a knee injury that he suffered. So it looks like Jonathan Harrison is going to be the center for the foreseeable future. I actually don't believe that's a downgrade. You know, it's an even trade-off at worst, an upgrade at best. Because, as you know, Scott uh, Khalil has really uh, been a disappointment uh, after Joe Douglas lured him out of retirement. Uh, You know, not a move that has worked out for the team. So it's going to be a you know a reshuffled line once once more. Uh, it's, a, it's a line that struggled. It's a line that Sam Darnold has had issues, uh, you know, with uh, over the past couple weeks. Uh, the other the other injury of note is Neville Hewitt, who had been C.J. Mosley's backup the first time when Mosley got injured, and he's dealing with a uh, neck stinger. Uh, we'll see if he plays. He he might not play again, and he, and if that happens, that means that James Burgess, who was the Mike linebacker against Jacksonville, will get a second consecutive start. And, and Burgess had his fair share of. Uh, uh, issues, I'll put it that way, against Jacksonville. That you know really
0: came back to bite the Jets. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you could get lucky anywhere playing at luckyland slots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by
1: law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
0: play like a jet play like a jet
1: Manish, let's talk about Sam Darnold a little bit Second week in a row that he's had a lot of trouble Against the Patriots, you could wipe it away and say it was an all-time great defense Not the case against the Jaguars I know the Jaguars have a really strong front seven And he was under pressure all day But he seems to be regressing Is there any worry within the building as far as you're aware That perhaps Sam Darnold could be in peril of taking a step backward this season?
2: Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, you, you talk to people who are going to be blunt with you. Uh, I don't see how you can't have some level of concern. Now, I'm of the belief that it yeah, this is a, something that he can reverse course on, uh, simply because of the talent and uh, and the work ethic, uh, you know, just the mental and physical uh, fortitude that he has. He does have a strong constitution, so I don't think that's going to be a problem for him. And I think he's still got a world of talent, in my opinion, Uh, in that area hasn't changed. And I know that there's people in that building that still believe in the guy. You're not going to throw him to the side because of two poor performances because prior to that he had an exceptional performance. But the fact that he has taken a couple steps backwards is is a problem on some some level and a concern on some level. Part of that uh, is him, obviously. Part of that is the offensive line, the pass protection. Part of that is the play calling, the coaching that Adam Gase is giving him. Uh, You know, this is a coach that was brought in specifically to develop Sam Darnold. And let's just be honest about the situation. When the season ended last year, yes, he did not have a good game week 17 against the Patriots. But the month prior to that, he was trending in the right direction. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League by a lot of important measures, statistical measures. He was trending up. There was a lot of reason for hope. It was justifiable beyond the fact that he was the number three pick in the draft. He showed it to you on the field. He showed his skill set in regular season games. So there was a lot to be uh, encouraged and optimistic about. And uh, they changed coaches. They changed offensive play callers. And Adam Gase has not gotten the best out of Sam Darnold. That's just fact. Uh, That's not really opinion. Everybody who has watched the Jets this year will tell you that Darnold isn't as good of a player uh, in terms of production as he was uh, in December of last year. So it's incumbent upon Adam Gase to uh, to get the best out of this player. So you ask, how do you get the best out of this player? What has been uh, baffling to me is that Gase has not accentuated Darnold's strengths. He has not done more of what Darnold is good at, and that's designed rollouts. That's getting out of the pocket, getting him on the move. That's what he was really good at at USC. That's what he showed a lot of, promise at, as a rookie, and you saw Jeremy Bates, the former play caller, roll him out, uh, whether it was rolled out right, designed to roll out left even. Uh, and look, I understand what Adam Gase is trying to do. He wants to get Darnold better in the pocket. Completely understand that. But when you have a player of Darnold's skill set, you have to make the most of what he does really good right now while getting him better in the pocket. So it, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a delicate balance, but you can't ignore what made him so good in college and what made him so good uh, at the end of his rookie season. You can't just have him in the pocket and explain it away by saying, well, the opponents we have have great edge rushers, so they get up the field, so it's difficult to get them out on the edge and, and get a clean edge. Uh, that's fine. But you're a play caller. You're, you're supposedly a good play designer. You design plays to get this player – on the move, throwing on the move, moving the pocket, especially since the offensive line has had a difficult time protecting him while he's in the pocket. So it only stands to reason that in order to mitigate the the weak offensive line and to accentuate the quarterback's strength, you move him intentionally after the snap. And I just don't understand why Gase has not done more of that. Now he took responsibility when I asked him about it this week, and he, he wants to do more of that. But I've heard Adam Gay say a lot of things that never came to fruition. So saying it is one thing. Uh, actually acting on it and seeing it on the field on Sunday is another. But they clearly can't have Darnold just sitting in the pocket uh, waiting to get hit or pressured because it's happened way too much in the last couple weeks. He's not going to survive, frankly, the next two months if it, if it continues to happen. Uh, I, there's a lot of great things about Peyton Manning. I love Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, to me, is one of the top five quarterbacks in the history of pro football. Uh, Sam Darnold has a different skill set than Peyton Manning. You cannot try to turn Sam Darnold into Peyton Manning by just keeping him in the pocket. You have to adjust and, uh, as I said earlier, play to Darnold's strengths. And to this point, Adam Gase has not done that.
1: Manish, since you brought up Adam Gase, let's talk about him a little bit. I think there's a disconnect between what the fans think Jets ownership believes about Adam Gase and what is actually going on behind the scenes. My understanding, I talked to a couple of people, is that while they're not thrilled with what's going on right now, that Gase is in no danger of getting fired anytime soon. At the absolute worst, if this continues to be a train wreck, maybe it's a conversation that is had at the end of the season, worst case scenario, but he's certainly not going anywhere in season. The guy that it sounds like could walk the plank for this is Frank Pollock, and with good reason. We've seen what this offensive line has done now, to be fair. The players on the offensive line are not great, but when you're supposed to be a really good offensive line coach with the reputation that Pollock has, he's going to end up taking the fall for it. Is this more or less your understanding that Gase is safe at least for the rest of the year, but there could be a conversation if this continues and that Frank Pollock could be the one that's in immediate danger?
2: Well, uh, I don't believe, barring something uh, weird off the field, that Adam Gates is going to get fired in season. I, I know fans are frustrated. The reactionary. This team has been non-competitive uh, by and large for this entire season. Uh, they've got five, <laughs> this is unbelievable, but they've got five losses uh, of at least two touchdowns, by at least two touchdowns in the first seven games. They lost uh, by at least two touchdowns six times all of last season. Uh, and that wasn't even a good mark but the idea of losing five of your first seven games by at least two touchdowns is 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 ridiculous and Adam Gase has lost 9 of his last 10 games as a head coach dating back to Miami by an average of 18 points so he has not done much uh he's done actually extremely poorly however uh it doesn't make sense again barring something off the field it doesn't make sense to fire uh a coach in the middle of his first season, because if you do that, the organization becomes radioactive in the eyes of people across the league. It makes it much more difficult to get uh, a, a, an attractive candidate moving forward because why would you want to play for the Johnsons if uh, you know you get off to a bad start? you're going to get fired. I mean you can't set that precedent. In terms of getting fired after the season, I don't believe it's going to happen. Now look, if things go completely off the rails and they finish 2 and 14, Uh, I don't know, maybe even 3-13, and perhaps there's a conversation. I don't think it's going to happen. There are enough excuses out there, even though you know how I feel about excuses, but there's enough out there, whether it was Darnold missing a few games due to mono or C.J. Mosley missing the bulk of the season due to injury and a couple other injuries. There's a bunch of excuses out there, I think, to cloud the picture, enough for Woody and Christopher Johnson to, to keep Adam Gase. And let's not forget that they're paying Adam Gase a lot of money, they're, they're still paying Mike McKagan and uh, Todd Bowles through the 2020 season. That's a lot of dead money to be spreading around. Woody Johnson typically uh, does not uh, you know go for that. So I, I, I find it very difficult to believe that Woody would sign off on paying all these guys who are no longer employed by him. So I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, a lot of weird stuff has happened though <laughs> uh, this year with this team. So maybe something comes out of left field. I've learned my lesson. I'm, not going to make any kind of definitive remark in the middle of the season about what could happen after, at the end of the season. I just think that, uh, you know, just given the, the dy- dynamics at play, that it's unlikely that uh, that Christopher Johnson and Woody Johnson would fire, certainly fire uh, Adam Gates in the middle of the season. But I don't think it's going to happen after the season. You know, maybe you will get back to me in a couple months. Maybe I'll change my mind. But I think the, the, the bigger picture here, you know, speaking of Christopher Johnson, is that, you know, there was a video that surfaced before the Jaguars game when Christopher Johnson was talking to a fan, uh, he was evidently unaware that public figures often have, uh, you know, their conversations recorded by people with iPhones. And that's exactly what just happened. Somebody standing next to, uh, you know, uh, their friend talking to Christopher Johnson, caught Christopher Johnson saying before the Jaguar game, that hopefully the team will actually show up this week, which is a direct shot at Adam Gase and the team for being non-competitive. And on the surface, you know, it sounds wonderful. Wow. This, this owner is, is trying to, you know, say that we stink. Uh, the irony in, <laughs> however, the irony in, in uh, Christopher Johnson uh, saying that hopefully his team shows up is that he himself has hid over the last five months. He hasn't made any public remarks since he read a prepared statement in Joe Doug- during Joe Douglas's press conference in June. The last time that Christopher Johnson actually was accountable for any decision that he made was during. Uh, an 11-minute press conference the day that Mike Mcagnon was fired in May. Since that moment, all he has done is read a prepared statement that he may or may not have written. I don't know. I just know that he stood in front of, uh, you know, an auditorium the day that Joe Douglas was hired, spoke for I don't know, maybe two minutes, uh, you know, two two and a half minutes. Uh, reading some statement about how great Joe Douglas was, and then he did not take any questions. He didn't show any accountability for that hire, because I think we all realize that this was an Adam Gase decision, and Christopher Johnson simply signed off on Joe Douglas after meeting Joe Douglas. And again, Joe Douglas comes with a lot of credentials, and uh, I think he's got the potential to be a terrific general manager, but it's not as if Christopher Johnson picked Joe Douglas. Adam Gase is the one... Who picked Joe Douglas and said, hey, "Look, this is my preference. This is a guy that I have a background with. This is a guy that I can work with." And at that point, you bring Joe Douglas in. As long as he doesn't fumble the interview, he's going to get the job. And uh, you know, the Jets were desperate in terms of making sure that they got Douglas because they upped their initial offer by millions of dollars and year, and and they added years to the initial offer to secure him and really put Joe Douglas in a in a position of strength here because he's under contract longer than Adam Gates is now. So he actually in effect has, uh, you know, the quote unquote power in the organization when a lot of people thought, well, he was just going to be, you know, a guy who's going to carry out what Adam Gates wants to do in effect uh, because of the contract that he got, he is in a, you know, a very advantageous position. But, uh, you know, this notion that Christopher Johnson is throwing his team under the bus, you know, some people might say that's great. You know, fans, fans think that the team stinks too. So it's great that the owner does. However, uh, these are just words. And Christopher Johnson is the same person who called Adam Gase an innovator who was taking football and coaching football to where it's going. And and what has Adam Gase done? He's been an abject train wreck. He's been a disaster. And where has Christopher Johnson been? Nowhere. He hasn't spoken, and it's a departure from what has happened in the first two years of his ownership. When he spoke uh, in September, uh, I think after the first game in his first year in charge and then after the second game, uh in his second year in charge. So he typically speaks in early mid September to kind of discuss, you know, his expectations, how the off season has gone, what he believes is gonna happen moving forward. Uh he hasn't done any of that. Uh the team has not given any indication that he's gonna be available anytime soon. I have asked, I know, multiple times and I've gotten from the PR staff that they they don't have anything scheduled for for uh Christopher Johnson, it's just a weak move. If you are a real leader, if you are a good leader, uh, when adversity hits, you do not hide. Adversity is the time when you see who the real leaders are, who the good leaders are. That's when you have to come to the forefront as the head of the organization and discuss uh, why uh, this head coach that you propped up as a genius and a quarterback whisperer has been terrible and arguably the worst coach in the NFL. You know, through the first eight weeks. You do not go into the background and hide. And look, it, it's really a microcosm of what has happened behind the scenes. Obviously, a lot of fans aren't privy to it, but the information I got from people in the building is that Christopher Johnson, you know, obviously his approval rating has plummeted since he initially took over in August of 2017 when Woody went to the UK to be the ambassador. But my understanding in the building is that he has really chafed at criticism. Uh, when people have criticized him, uh, uh, when there have been stories like him hosting Cliff Kingsbury's agent at his condo in Manhattan when Todd Bowles was still the head coach, when that came out, he was perturbed. Uh, when information came out that the Jets had a third party reach out to other high profile coaches, uh, to gauge their interest in the job while Bowles was still the head coach, he was, he was angry about that. He was upset about that. And, uh, you know, my understanding to take it even further is he has attempted to blacklist anyone who has sharply criticized him for his actions. Uh, that's just not a uh, not a good way, in my estimation, of, of handling your business as a leader. You know, to, to be upset and uh, you know and 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 be chafed at criticism when the product is terrible and your decisions have been really unusual is is amateurish. That's not what a good leader does. And and again, he hasn't been accountable since he spoke on the phone with reporters in May. Uh, I'm curious to see if he actually speaks during the season because it's easy. When you take over for your brother and your breath of fresh air, because, you know, Jet fans weren't particularly happy with Woody Johnson, but it's easy when you take over in that area to be out in front and, and be available and talk. But when adversity hits, you, just, you, you can't disappear. You've got to be the same person. You've got to be accountable. And I think it's time that Christopher Johnson actually be accountable for the mess that we're seeing on the field right now.
0: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void by prohibited by law.
1: 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
1: <laughs> the Johnsons have always been very conscious of public criticism and public perception They've always been known to chase the headlines So to speak You even go back to the Brett Favre move And stuff like that, Tim Tebow So this is not a surprise at all to hear this But I do think that He is going to want to feed the fan base something Because of the fact that As you said, nish they're all riled up They're very angry And I don't think Adam Gase is going anywhere So that's why I threw out Frank Pollock The impression that I get is that Pollock's days are probably numbered Is that what you think too? Well,
2: here's it issue with that. Uh, Frank Pollock is an easy scapegoat, just like Luke Falk was an easy scapegoat for Adam Gase. Um, he, he didn't play well in Philly after having one day of practice. That was all on the head coach. That was a miscalculation by Adam Gase. But he scapegoated Luke Falk by, by cutting him. I'm not saying, and you and I, Scott, have talked about whether Luke Falk's an NFL quarterback. Uh, he's not on an NFL team right now. but uh, But the idea of cutting him, what, a day or two after that performance, after he had been your starter for the previous three weeks and then having David fails, you know, come off the street and, and, and assume that backup role is a, a form of scapegoating. That's, th- that's just the, the reality of the situation. So Adam Gase has, uh, you know, been adept at scapegoating people in the past and Frank Pollock would be an easy scapegoat. Uh, the offensive line is not playing well. Uh, if you're the offensive play caller, you have to work in tandem with your offensive line coach to better protect, to call better plays uh, to design better protection schemes, that's, not, that's just not on Pollock. Is it part of Pollock's responsibility? Absolutely it is. But Adam Gase can't absolve himself from, uh, from owning you know, the poor play by the offensive line at this point. It's not just Frank Pollock. It's also Adam Gase. Adam Gase obviously is not going to fire himself. So if he fired Frank Pollock, the next question becomes, who would be uh, coming in off the street to be the offensive line coach? Is Adam Gates going to handle that? Is he going to do double duty? Probably not. So you do have to ask yourself that question. Who would who would come in? Would it be an upgrade from Frank Pollock? Uh, I think the idea of firing Frank Pollock in, in many ways is like the idea of firing a hitting coach in baseball. You know, he's you know, he's an easy guy to point to if your offense is struggling. You can uh, you can scapegoat that guy. And will there be a tangible difference in your offense? <laughs> Probably not. You know, will it satiate fans? I, I, I guess in the short term, but, but you know, Scott, you're, you're a Jet fan. If they fire Frank Pollock, I mean, will, will you be happy? Will you expect different results? I, I don't see any kind of real difference other than just tossing another guy to the side. Adam Gase is great at doing that, so perhaps he will fire Frank Pollock, but I just don't know if that's going to have any kind of real impact on this offense moving
1: forward. If I were a betting man, I would say that even if firing Frank Pollock makes sense, it's probably not going to make much of a difference because of the quality of the offensive line. And I might want to place that prop bet over at mybookie.ag. Right now, if you sign up, you can place any prop bet you want, or you can bet on any of the games coming up this Sunday, including the Jets and the Miami Dolphins, and use the promo code OVERTIME to get your first deposit doubled. That's right. They will match your first deposit when you sign up over at mybookie.ag. You can bet on props across the league or you can bet on props in the Jets game. Who's going to throw more touchdowns, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Sam Darnold? Who's going to throw more interceptions, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Sam Darnold? Will Adam Gase gloat in the post game presser if he beats his old team? I'm going to bet yes on that one. You can bet on any of these or you can bet on any of these or any of the games across the league. Just go to mybookie.ag right now, use the promo code overtime and you'll get your first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag, you play you win and you get paid. And if you're going to be betting on the Jets and the Miami Dolphins, you may want to get out of this cold weather and head down to Miami, Florida for the weekend and catch yourself the Jets and the Dolphins live in person because I think the tickets are going to be pretty cheap. And if you want to get cheap tickets that are really, really good because, yeah, you don't want to spend a lot of money, but if you're going to make that trip, you want to get good seats, the best place to get good tickets for the cheapest price is at Vivid Seats. So if you download the Vivid Seats mobile app today, Enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout. You will get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. You can get tickets for the Jets and the Dolphins if you're going to Miami, or if you're sticking around and you don't want to use it on that, you can use your discount on a wide variety of events, including concerts, other sports like basketball and hockey, even a pro wrestling show. Whatever your heart desires, you can get tickets over on the Vivid Seats mobile app. So just download the Vivid Seats mobile app, use the promo code OVERTIME, and you will get yourself up to 100 bucks off. On your very first purchase. And Manish, when it comes to the firing of Frank Pollock, we saw something similar with your Philadelphia Phillies, Manish, when they fired their hitting uh-huh. coach and brought back Charlie Manuel. And I know that Bryce Harper did really well down the stretch, but I have a hard time thinking that it was because of Charlie Manuel. All due respect to Charlie, who is very well respected for being a great hitting coach and understanding how to help guys. But Bryce Harper is a great player. So I have a feeling that it was more coincidence than anything else. I don't think Frank Pollock getting fired is going to change anything. The offensive line is the offensive line, but I do think that it sends a message, and I think that it's something that you can throw to the fan base a little red meat because they're looking to sink their hooks into something, so I think that Pollock may be the one that is offered up as the sacrificial lamb. I got another question for you, Manish. Quinn and Williams, now that we know Leonard Williams has been traded What's going on with him? Because it seems like the Jets aren't playing him as much as you would expect. There are a lot of downs where he's not in. Then there's the question of playing him more on the end than on the inside. We were given the impression that he was going to be moved around a lot, but he's mostly been made to play the outside instead of on the inside. What do you know about what's going on with him? Is he still banged up and we're just not being told about it?
2: Well, his injury actually was a a little bit worse than what was originally believed. Yeah, uh, you know, I was initially told that, you know, it wasn't. It was an ankle injury. That, you know, it's your typical ankle injury. Uh, Greg Williams actually said maybe a week or so ago that it was a six-week injury, and he came back after I don't know what was it. He missed a game or two. You know, it wasn't that much time. So you know, maybe he's fighting through that. But yeah, he has not. He has not been a you know the explosive game-changing player that uh, you kind of anticipated. But he's a young player. Midway through his first season, you know, <laughs> I I know people want instant results. I know it's particularly annoying when you play the Jaguars and you see Josh Allen, you know, kind of chasing uh, chasing Sam Darnold all over the field, and you wonder, wow, we could have had this guy off the edge. We didn't have an edge guy. Uh, you know, those are fair criticisms right now, but I you know I have to you know, I, I got to give a guy like Quinn into the benefit of the doubt at the, at this point. I want to see how the rest of the season goes, uh, of course, but. Yeah, he you know he hasn't made that impact that uh, you know, that you had hoped, and then you know you see Josh Allen get two sacks the other day, and that probably annoys Jets fans that much more. But look, he's going to get more opportunities to play snap wise now that uh, Leonard Williams is you know gone. So uh, he's going to get a chance to feast on some bad teams too. And we talked about the offensive uh, offensive feasting on some of these bad teams, but I think that goes both ways. You know they're going to play some poor offenses. Along the way, so I think Greg Williams' defense can can make some hay, and I think Quentin Williams can can kind of you know get off the schneid, if you will, and uh, you make some more impact plays down the stretch. But uh, yeah, he hasn't made you know that dynamic uh, that dynamic jump and dynamic uh, impact that I know a lot of Jet fans and Jet people in the building were hoping for.
1: Well, certainly, with the exception of the Dallas Cowboys game, where I thought he played excellent. He hasn't been that next-level player just yet, but it's only been four full games that he's played. So as you said, Manish, let's see what happens now that the schedule has eased up a little bit. And it's worth bearing in mind, and I mentioned this on the post-game show on Sunday as well, that Calais Campbell, who was the best player on the field against the Jets for the Jaguars on Sunday, had no sacks in his rookie season. Aaron Donald didn't even start until the sixth game of his rookie season. I could go on and on. I would like Quinn Williams to have come out of the gate and been Aaron Donald from the very beginning, but we've got to see how this plays out. He may or may not end up disappointing. Some people have said, well, he's just like Leonard Williams all over again. We will find out over the next couple of years. Certainly. Over the course of the rest of the season But it's very early and certainly way too early To make any definitive judgments Although as you said, Manish, obviously Watching Josh Allen do what he did On Sunday, immediately you're seeing That right in front of your eyes and so it frustrates You, but again, you gotta remember That it's a marathon, not a sprint, and on top Of that, Josh Allen is in a much Better situation in a dominant front Seven with other really great players Which is something that Quinton Williams Doesn't have, and we're gonna see if Quinton Williams starts to elevate his game Over the next couple of weeks Including this game coming up Against the Miami Dolphins Who found a way to lose again Against the Pittsburgh Steelers The Dolphins have been in position To win a bunch of times And have ended up choking the game away almost in a manner where you're thinking that they're doing it on purpose. Now, I don't think the players and the coaches are trying to do that, but it just is really funny because we know what the front office's mentality has been and what ownership's mentality has been, and then we see that kind of play on the field and you start to think a little conspiratorial. But I don't think the players and the coaches are doing it on purpose. I think it's just what you've seen is what you've seen. But now the Jets go into Miami, and this is a game that everybody was expecting to be an automatic win for the Jets. I still think that they're going to win this game just because the Dolphins are so bad. But I'm a little less sure than I was a couple of weeks ago, Manish. I'm not going to lie. How do you think this is going to play out?
2: Man, you know, I'm going to get myself in trouble. But I actually thought—I mean, especially after watching this Monday night game when Dolphins uh, defensive backs were, you know, uh, dropping like uh, flies—and the big one is Xavier Howard. He—he hurt his injury, uh, he hurt his knee uh, in that loss against Pittsburgh. Uh, He's really their only. You know, threat at the cornerback position. If he mm-hmm. is not there, man, I, I just can't see how it's, And again, this is going to sound weird, but I just can't see how the Jet offense is going to be stopped. Which sounds really now <laughs> starting to sound like Sam Darnold saying that the offense is unstoppable. But uh, this is a really bad team, and you know, entering the Monday night game, and I was talking to some people, and I said you know, this is a perfect game for Ryan Fitzpatrick just to ruin the Jets' day and just catch fire and uh, you know, have one of those three, four-touchdown games, you light it up, and the Dolphins win. But I just think that these injuries uh, on the back end for Miami are, or might be a little bit too much to overcome. You know, again, the idea of Xavier Howard not being there really can't be uh, you know, the importance of him in that defense. It can't be overstated. He is their best defensive back. Without him, they got a, uh, and they, they've got another guy who got hurt. I can't even remember. I think a rookie seventh rounder who got banged up in this game. Uh, you know, they're going to be hurting, and uh, you know, I know uh, that Adam Gase obviously would like nothing more than to stick it to the team that fired him, uh, you know, 10, 11 months ago. And I think the Jets are going to. I think they're going to win the game. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win convincingly. And maybe I'll be wrong. Uh, you know, God knows I've been wrong in these, some of these predictions. Uh, you know, this season, but this is not a good football team. Even though I do think that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick can play well and the athletes can do reasonably well, the defense, not only on the back end, but their run defense isn't particularly good. Uh, the, the Steelers kind of ran all over the place on them on Monday night. So I, I think the Jets will be able to move the ball in that area, too. Uh, it's a get well game, at least for a week. And with, you know, they got the Giants coming in uh, the following week, but at least for a week. Uh I think uh, the the Jets will win this game. I don't particularly think that it's going to be that tense. I, I don't think it's a fourth quarter game. I think they'll be in control. I think they'll win the game. Uh all of that being said, somehow if they do not win this game, <laughs> I just can't imagine I can't imagine what the fan base would be like if they managed to lose a game to the worst team in the NFL coming off a short week. Remember, they played a road game on Monday night in Pittsburgh. So they got to fly what two and a half, three hours back home on a short week with a banged up secondary, with their best defensive player out. Uh, I, I can't, I can't imagine what it would be like if the Jets somehow lost this game. I don't think it's going to happen. You know, I've been extremely critical of Adam Gase, as everybody knows, but even he should be able to figure out a way to generate points. Against this Dolphin team, so I think they'll win. I think they'll be two and six. But again, if they don't win, wow, then those calls for his firing are just going to get louder and louder. It's not going to change the team's outlook on and their position on it. But it, it would be probably the low point uh, that I can remember in the in the you know ten years that I've covered this team. If they somehow lost to the Dolphins and fell to one and seven, I think that would be the the lowest point uh, you know and it, the lowest point at least in the last decade.
1: Ironically, while it would do Gase no favors, it would actually stick it to the Dolphins worse if the Jets were to lose this game because then it would hurt the chances that they could do what they've been wanting to do, which is tank for the number one pick. So... A lot of irony involved in this game, but I agree with you. I think the Jets are probably going to find a way to come out on top simply because the Dolphins just can't get out of their own way. They've got a bunch of players hurt, including the only player on the team who's good, Xavier Howard. So this is going to be a tough one for Miami to be able to win, even with the Jets reeling. And if Sam Darnold and company is going to get back on track, if they can't do it against the Dolphins, like you said, the anger is going to ratchet up a couple of levels and the calls for Adam Gase's firing are going to keep coming and coming fast. Manish, thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. Busy week for you this week, my man. What's going on over at the Daily News?
2: Uh, wow. I, you know, probably ask about, uh, ask the locker room about Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, that's uh, you know, a guy that uh, has had his fair share of high moments and low moments for the Jets franchise. So maybe we'll do something on... On Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, the trade deadline, you know, all of those topics.
1: A lot going on around the Jets right now, despite the fact that on the field things are a little bit shaky. There's a ton of news, so make sure you read Manish over in the Daily News. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.